Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Yes, hello, how are you? It is episode five of the Keith Walsh podcast. I'm a little bit obsessed with that um, that Blondie song covered by Miley Cyrus. What's that called? What's that called? You can send your uh, send your answers to me. Email me. It's a keithwaltpod at gmail.com for your answers. If I Anything I don't get right, you can email me. Um, okay, welcome to episode five. This is me talking to my friend Mike, and I will forewarn you that there's uh, there's there's a bit of potty mouth. There is some uh, bad language in here, and it's not the the chat sometimes isn't very PC, but look, it's it's a safe space. We don't mean any harm, and it's just uh, a bit of crack. So um, we don't intend to offend anybody. So if you're easily offended, maybe don't listen to episode five. Um, having said that, you'll probably listen and go, what were they talking about? I just want to be sure. I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to get in trouble with myself, you know, for my own, I'm my own boss. And also I'd like to apologise for um, the sound because there seemed to be, I don't know whether it was me knocking the table or the mic or something, but anyway. Hey, listen, I'm not going to apologise for everything. Get out of here. Get out of here. Now, before I decide to record this podcast... And I am recording it. It's the 28th of September, um, 2020. So if there's any reference to lockdowns or COVID or anything, that's where we were at at the time. Um, Dublin was still in lockdown. Kildare had just come out. No, Dublin hadn't gone back into lockdown because we recorded this a couple of weeks ago. Kildare had just come out of lockdown and Dublin hadn't gone into lockdown yet. So that's where we were, September of 2020. And COVID was all the rage. There you are. Just if you've come across this podcast in a year and you don't know what the hell is going on. That's what we were talking about. Um, I do have to give some shout-outs that probably won't make sense in about a year's time, but I'll I'll, ma- I'll, I'll do it anyway because I said uh, I'm about to record my podcast if anybody wants a shout-out. And I, I think I might have made a, a boo-boo because pe- some people thought uh, I was looking for podcast shout-outs because the tweet literally said, podcast shout-outs, about to record this week's podcast. Who wants a shout-out and why? So you can see why some people thought I was looking for podcasts to shout-out. Anyway, here are the people I'm shouting out on today's podcast. If you can hear any noise, it's the dogs and the children outside because of the window slightly ajar. Because it's a nice day. The sun is still shining. Just going down now, actually. Uh, shout-out to Elaine de Roche Designs. She makes amazing neck pieces. Thank you, Elaine. There's your shout-out. Here's an actual podcast 
shout out. This is a kids podcast by a fellow called Carl Harper. And if you're interested in finding a podcast for your child, this is a good one. It's called The Dastardly Deeds of Professor Nasty. It's a hashtag kids podcast about an eight-year-old evil genius who wants to take over the world. Helps kids get off their screens and use their imagination. Uh, Season one is available wherever you get your podcast from. That's The Dastardly Deeds of Professor Nasty. Uh, I'm just going to hit retweet on that while I'm at it. Uh, Jared Walsh wants a shout out because he's a filmmaker and he makes sketches. Hi, Jared. How are you? And he also, uh, episode four of the Keith Walsh podcast is me talking to Sir Steve-O Timothy. And Jared Walsh made a documentary about Steve-O. I don't think it's out yet. Uh, but as soon as it comes out, I will let you know on a later podcast. Um, somebody called FFS says, Shout out to all the working from home people struggling after almost seven months at home. It's not a pity party. I know I'm lucky to have a job, but don't ever underestimate the value of mind-numbing office small talk to keep you sane. We are not the frontline heroes, obviously, but it gets tough. Uh, and that is from uh, Nisi, I think it is. Uh, yeah, the, the working from home people, fair play. I mean, it is like you just miss those Monday mornings standing at the water cooler saying, did you see the match? And just even the fact that you're giving out about your man talking about the match, that's good enough. A shout out to Samantha Kelly, who has um, a hashtag. She's got an online, it's a conference. Uh, hashtag win 20 global. And it's a conference at the Women Inspire Network.com. And it's open to men and women. So if you're interested in a conference, it's called How to Get Your Business Thriving Online Post-COVID. How to Get Your Business Thriving Online Post-COVID. You can follow at Tweeting Goddess on Twitter. That's Samantha Kelly at Tweeting Goddess on Twitter. And she will show you the way. Uh, shout out to uh, myself for publishing a children's book. This is Emma Larkin Books. Emma Larkin Books has published a children's book called Izzy's Magical Football Adventure and Izzy's Magical Camogie Adventure. Irish written, illustrated and published and promoting women in sport with a fun, magical theme. No problem, Emma. Best of luck with that. Uh, shout out to G Sports. G Sports. I know they're in Newbridge. I think they've got stores online as well. Uh, so G Sports, just to get independent local businesses uh, up and running or keep them up and running, keep the economy going. Uh, shout out to my friends on Hashtag Media. Yes, they're great. If you're looking to get a bit of promo online for your uh, for your business, you know, if you need help with your Twitter account or your Instagram, hashtag media are the people to hit up. Uh, I like this podcast, Daters Gonna Date, I think it's called. Hey, Keith, we'd love one. We'd love a shout out. We were two single girls who started a dating podcast in February and COVID kicked in in March. We would love a shout out. That's hard. That's going to be hard to have a dating podcast during COVID. Uh, and are people dating online over Zoom? I'd love to hear about your Zoom date stories, if you have any Zoom date stories. Uh, KeithWalshPod at gmail.com. Uh, Mams on the Mic. That's a podcast, is it? Shout out for Mams on the Mic, because we're bleeding deadly. Uh, we are women helping women. It's a Twitter account. Mams on the Mic. Follow them. It seems to be some sort of podcast as well. And Robbie Parsons. He says, give me a shout out because my music on Spotify, Apple Music, etc. needs some play. Also, too, um, this is Tr- Professor Trebor for his epic book, Harrow the Boys. Is that? Oh, Professor Trebor is the music. And Paul White. Paul White is the author. Uh, Paul White has a book called Harrow the Boys. 
and uh, Robbie would like to show some love to his music, which is on Spotify, and that's called Professor Trebor, as far as I can tell, and uh, Harrow the Boys is the book, and uh, Paul White is the author. There you go. Uh, Carl uh, says, Keith, it's not a business, but any shout-out for funds for Chuck Chairman Women's and Children's Centre for Domestic Abuse in Kildare. Um, so this he has an I donate page for them as well. So if you follow Carl Patterson, he's an I donate page. Uh, it's uh, simply I donate dot ie forward slash Bridget's Land. Uh, so he has a song out and he sells from a song I've done will go there too. But the public have been brilliant with the don I donate page already. Fair play for asking, and fair play to everybody. So that's Carl Patterson on Twitter. Call P Music if you can. And would like to donate to Chuck Terman. I'm sure you can find a way of donating to them without without call anyway. Uh, hello to Edo Mac. Uh, he just released his debut single back home, and it made the RTE RT Radio One recommends list. So well done to Edo Mac. Uh, Chris Patterson just started after lockdown. All about life in twenties and thirties, and following my thirty before thirty bucket list. Always looking for different guests. This is Chris who wants a shout-out for his podcast. It's called Three Perfect Tens, and uh, it's him trying to tick off everything on his 30 before 30 bucket list, and he's always looking for different guests as well. Chris, check out that podcast. looks good. And uh, finally, to Quiva Morris, who wanted a shout-out for at Academy underscore Ireland, who are Ireland's first and only independent rugby academy, providing rugby excellence for aspiring professional players and helping to educate the coaches of tomorrow. Uh, They want a shout-out because... Quiva says there's some really exciting initiatives to announce around women's rugby soon. So follow them on Twitter at Academy underscore Ireland. That is my shout outs for today for the podcast. I hope you enjoyed them and I hope you got something out of them. Uh, what am I doing at the moment? Uh, um, I listened to some oldie, oldies today, a band called Squeeze. Very much enjoyed listening to the band Squeeze today in my car. That's, that's my music I'm listening to today. Uh, podcast wise, I'm still listening, listening to Tommy and Hector. Mostly, um, Dear and Gary has a good podcast called The Laughs of My Life, of Your Life. And uh, I've interviewed Dear, which she will be a guest on a future podcast out very soon. Uh, what else? What else is going on? That's it, really. I'm still tipping away. I make these cards, so I hand draw cards and I sell them online. And uh, the latest one I did was uh, for mothers and fathers who are potty training. And the it's a picture of a baby which I draw on the card and it says, good luck with the potty training. You can poo it. That's the level I'm at, people. That's where I am. Now you know. Okay, I'm going to stop talking now. That's enough for the intro. My friend Mike, fellow I used to work with, we got together, met up recently and uh, started chatting again. And he has some great stories. He's working over in Clare and today he got to talk about some musicians he met in a former life and an Irish man who spent a lot of money trying to get the English over to Clare on holidays. Very interesting. Okay, enjoy. I'll be back for a brief chat afterwards. This is episode five of the Keith Walsh podcast and me talking to my friend Mike. Enjoy. No, it says I'm recording, but I don't know how the fuck I didn't start doing that. Um... Record, hold on, record. It says on the top left, left-hand corner is recording, okay. Yeah. Great, uh, I just don't want to miss a minute of, of the magic, you know. 
Uh, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. We um, everything's back to starting to get back to normal for now. The schools are back. Football is back. I uh, my son is back. He's got his first match of the season tomorrow. So until Tuesday, we're going to jo- enjoy a bit of normality because obviously on Tuesday the government are going to tell us that the army are taking over and we all must must stay in our homes. I don't know. I think I think if anything, they're going to say, "Here's a six month plan," and all things being equal, that's what we'll do. But uh, otherwise, you're fucked. Christmas is cancelled, and uh, we're all going to die. There'll be no trick or treating, you know that. That's okay. That's uh, you know, it's the sort of the it, it's the natural uh, pedophile sort of uh, <laughs> oh, <God>. you know <laughs> priests kidnapping children. COVID has basically gotten rid of paedophiles, is what you're saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. No men in street street corners anymore looking at children in play areas. But they could no. do a lot they could do a lot with computers these days, Michael. I don't know if you've you're, you're obviously out of the loop. You're obviously out of the paedophile loop. <laughs> oh, there's there's a story for another day. Yeah. Oh the paedophile loop. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. So how's um, how's life in uh, actually I wonder should I close the video because yeah yeah because it qu- was shit the, the last time yeah. the quality might be better. Hang on a second now. Um, how's life over in Clare? What's going on over there? Very little. Um, I'm con- I'm just continuing to to wa- work away and uh, yeah, I turn up for work. Tourists keep coming. Um, the Germans and the Italians are back. A little bit. Are they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not an American in sight, but uh, yeah, Europeans coming in and going. Yeah. Wow, I'm surprised. I actually just didn't think there was any tourists. Oh no, no, no. They're 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 here, all right. Yeah. Uh, the old, uh, some French as well. Are they? They're obviously not bothered, or that's. I mean, that's obviously not a thing that you can't go travelling or be a tourist. Or... No. Well, you see, we've got these green lines or zones or whatever they're called. Oh yeah. And, uh, yeah. You can you can go and you don't have to self isolate for two weeks and uh, you know it should be sort of it's not exactly non essential coming to the Cliffs of Moher is not exactly a, an essential thing for anybody to do you know no, but no. Uh, it is for some people because if it's on your bucket list like, you can say that's essential these are things I I wrote down on this sheet of paper things I must do before I die and if you're if you're German and you say that in a German accent that I would be very I would say okay well that's a if, you know, if a German comes out, I must do this before I die. Yeah, but just because they do it in a German accent doesn't mean it's legal. Well, I would, if a German said that to me in, that, in their accent, I would, I would let them do it. I would think it's, it's very important and uh, they should do it. So that's just my, that's just my take. Um, and so I see you've been, are you been stalking various people for this podcast now. Yeah, so I have some guests lined up, would you believe? And Excellent. some people I've been asking have been saying yes. Um, others have been saying no. But for the most part, people have been saying yes. And then I go, and then it's like, oh, bollocks. Um, because one person who I'm very eager to get on, and I won't mention them now just in case, in case this all goes out as part of the podcast, um, then said, to, they were like, oh, yeah, I'd be delighted. And I was like, what? You'd be delighted? What? That's, you're a bit, that's a bit much. Uh, wow. Don't don't overstate it, um, and then and then they were like, "Could you send me an example of the question so I can just be ready?" And I was like, "Oh shit, questions!" I 
I had never planned on ask on writing down any questions I was going to ask people. I was just going to get. I I never thought that far. I just thought I'll just get people on Zoom and we'll just chat about stuff. And then yeah, I, well, surely it's going to be you know sort of around about sort of you know how was lockdown for you and how was this for you and it's just a conversational sort of. Yeah, it will. It, yeah, it will be. But I suppose uh, I think this particular person just. That's my dog barking there in the background, by the way, just in case you thought it was one of the children with a, a bad COVID cough, it's not. Um, but uh, yeah, this particular person, I think, just wants to know everything. And uh, But they're very, like, that's fine. So I, I wrote out a list of questions. I just said, look, this is a list of questions and I will do my best to stick to them, but it's very loose and groovy um, because I'll probably be really stoned or high on heroin at the time. So God knows what the hell will happen. So I think they're good with them. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of crystal meth just to get just take the, the edge off. Just a bit. I just want to be a bit tweaky. Uh, I just think that creates a, a certain frisson, you know, if you're just a little bit tweaky. And I think it's just, you know, on that edge. So it makes people uncomfortable. It's, just, it's, that, it's that, you know, when you're listening to something slightly uncomfortable, you can't stop listening to it, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. It, it becomes, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You can't put it down. It's just, yeah. Unputdownable. <laughs> yeah, but you can't really pick up a podcast, can you? So you can't really put it down. It's Unt- another word. Unturnoffable. <laughs> <laughs> Unstop listen-toable. Yeah, there you go. Something that's like a, that. That's, uh, addictive. Like the crystal meth. Yes. like <laughs> It's everything Irish. You put the before it. The crystal, meth. the crystal Meth. Here's a podcast I've been enjoying listening to. I need to tell you about. It's called Where Is George Gibney? Have you heard of it? No. So George Gibney was a very famous in Ireland. You might you were probably living in this is about ninety late eighties, early nineties. You're probably living in London at the time. But Ireland had some very good swimmers up and coming, and we were we were threatening to go to the Olympics, clean clean swimmers. Uh, go, go to the Olympics and win some medals. And uh, this guy, this guy called George Gibney, was this you know wonder coach that was bringing these young swimmers through, and he was responsible for the the great success of Irish swimming, you know, in Europe and in Ireland. And we'd set some new records. And this guy called Gary O'Toole, he was doing very well. He uh, so this podcast is about how it turned out that George Gibney was being uh, very overly friendly with the uh, young swimmers he was in charge of. Oh, yeah. Um, so the guy was basically a paedophile and a sex pest, uh, to say the least, to put it mildly. I don't want to be glib about it. Yeah. Um, but listen to the podcast. I don't want to give too much away. I mean, if a lot of it would have been in the news at the time, but he basically kind of got away with it uh, in court and went off to live, we think, in America. But this podcast is... There's a guy from uh, another podcast called Second Captains. He's one of the producers. Yes. He took it upon himself. He took it upon himself to go and uh, and find him. So, I mean, I'm only on, it's not one of these uh, podcasts that you come to late that all of the episodes are there laid out ready for you. I'm only, he's only releasing them every week. So I'm only up to, up to uh, episode three. But it was quite exciting, but it was really brilliantly done. I'm very, very sad because there's a part in it. I was out for a walk the other day and, um, I was listening and, and, and I, I, I don't mind admitting I was crying because I don't think people, I don't think, I mean, obviously these people don't really think about what they're doing with their actions, but 
there's this particular guy, Gary O'Toole's Femstone, and he was describing the friendship he had with this young girl, and they were just friends. Mm. But obviously, George Gibney was concerned that they were very close and that maybe she might tell him something, you know. So he, he orchestrated that, that they would not be friends anymore. So at the tender age of 14 or 15 or 16, there was this young Gary O'Toole thinking, why does this girl just stop talking to me and just won't answer any of my... You know, they used to kind of write to each other and she's just like, she's just blanking me all of a sudden. He had no idea. He just, he, he described it at the time as just being incredibly hurt and upset and couldn't really understand it and really affected him. And on the other hand, she was kind of being told not to talk to anybody. So she couldn't talk to him because she knew at any point in time, George was kind of looking at her, especially around the swimming pool or, you know, at practice. Or anything. And I was just like, oh, that is just like, I mean, I know that's the, not the, the worst thing about it, but it was just like, it was, even at that level, you're just like, how that kind of effect you can have on, because your teenage years, you don't get them back. You don't get any of your life back. No, but it's, it's the collateral damage, which is often, the abuse is bad enough in itself, Yeah, but it's the collateral damages that, 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 that sort of has relationships at the time ruined and relationships throughout that person who's been affected all their life. It's not, it's not just a single issue. No. It's not like a gunshot wound that you can kind of get over. This is it, a thing that keeps coming and just keeps biting your ass. It's like one of those gunshots that has, that explodes inside. <laughs> explodes <laughs> and, then there's, and then there's shrapnel everywhere. And it, 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 it's just, it's every, like I was just, for some reason that just stuck with me because, you know, when you're 13, 14, 15, 16, those, there's such formative years and yeah. for, you know, for friendships to be, to not, you're never going to get that back. No, but what I, a selfish prick mm, to do that. Yeah. To, to sort of get in between a, a normal, budding, regular relationship for his own sexual gratification. I mean, a it's selfish, self-centered cocksucker. The, and this girl as well, apart from that, was, was, you know, a promising swimmer and could have done great things, but ended up yeah. giving up swimming because of it's just it's right anyway that's a, a recommendation if you're interested in, in podcasts and i don't know if you are i don't know if you're a podcast no. listener oh, oh yeah i'm, I'm I, I do nothing but listen to podcasts that's all What's, i do what what, do you, what would you recommend i have listened to uh there's there's a great one um on the bbc which of course i can't remember now at the moment called paradise okay paradise was uh, done by um a northern irish uh and a Manchester, uh, two kind of DJs. Um, and they went and they just heard about this case, this murder case. And uh, I won't tell you about it, but it's, it's fantastic. It's just the most bizarre thing out in Belize that happened. Okay. So, so obviously Belize is paradise. And yeah, yeah, yeah. People were out there living, believing it was paradise, but it wasn't at all kind of thing. Yeah, you'd think so, but it it kind of yeah, the oh, just it was horrible. And I, I also listened to Case File, the Australian one. Oh yes, I don't think I've listened to that yet, but I have I've heard of it, and it's been on my my. Is yeah. that is that one particular? Um, no, 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 no. The, no that you, I think you're thinking of um, Serial. Is oh one. yes, Serial is very good. Serial is just is a is a is one crime case, but but. Uh, case file is a load as like 190 individual case and it's read out really blandly and quite badly by an Australian fellow who's probably got the most boring accent and delivery on the planet 
but the stuff he starts talking about, you think, oh, this is boring shit. Why am I listening to this? And then you're hooked. Um, I'd hardly recommend, and I do to everyone, uh, Case File episode 18. It's probably the best radio you'll hear. It's just, it's better than any TV program. The, the graphics on it, if you know what I mean, in your head, are, you, they blow you away, literally. Wow. Wow, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that Paradise podcast says here Peta and Chris are in paradise they sail into hell why does it take 38 years to arrest the only suspect <laughs> yeah. Bom, bom, bom. Yeah. So, sounds good sounds good I'll be checking yeah. that out thanks very much um, Mike the last time you were on we, were, we talked a lot about hotels and hotel life and because if uh, somebody somebody's just tuned in they might not know that you're a former Hotel worker, would that be the right? Hospitality, yeah, hospitality. I've worked industry. in the hospitality. Yeah, yeah, I'm a hospitality professional. <laughs> hospitality professional. Wait, what's your current job now? Because you do, like, you do. I know I've seen you do sort of a wildlife little, um, not guided tours, but like, what would you call them? You're like the David Attenborough of Clare, aren't you? Sort of. But he had. Well, he, where he had, where he was talking about lions on the Serengeti. You're talking about slugs underneath a rock. There you go. That's pretty much me. I'm the uh, or birds. I, I'm like, no? Yeah, I do a little bit of everything because I'm. I actually, when I left hotels, I went on to do a degree in ecology. So I'm effectively an ecologist. Mm. Um, and I've I've managed to find a place that had me the the cliffs of Moher, and um, I can actually do guided tours about the cliffs. A little bit of geology little bit of birds, little bit of sort of species, kind of flora, fauna, and even a bit of history about the place. So yeah, it's a, every day's a school day and you, you learn more from people that actually come in and tell you, I was here back in 1972 and that wall wasn't here, this <laughs> fellow was here and that fellow was playing a tin whistle down there, you know, sort of thing. So there's an awful lot of history associated with it and an awful lot of people have been coming there for an awful long time. And their history is almost as fascinating as the history of the, the cliffs themselves, you know? Especially when your man from Dunbelieve bus turns up to tell you about the wall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, no, it's good. Uh, so what is the most fascinating piece of history that you think we should know about that area? I'm putting you on the spot now. <laughs> no, no, no. That, that, I think the most fascinating bit I, I find is that, um, so Cornelius O'Brien owned the land up there in the 1830s. Well, hang on a second. That definitely sounds like a made-up Irish name. No, no, like, no, no, It no. sounds no. like an American film crew came over to make a film about the Cliffs of Moher and about a man called Cornelius. What is his name? Cornelius? O'Brien. Cornelius O'Brien, and he lives in a house beside the Cliffs of Moher, and he's like, these are my cliffs. Feck off. <clears throat> well, he literally built um, O'Brien's Tower. Have you ever been to the Cliffs of Moher? I have, but I was very hungover that day and very oh. sick, so I don't really remember. I think I might have stayed in the car. Okay, that's a yeah, bit very there's sad. A tower up there, and he built the tower. And there's also a big sort of Doric column about a mile away that he built in memory to himself. And he was a bit of a boyo. Cornelius was, you know, he was a man in the uh, in his thirties and forties, in the eighteen twenties and thirties. He was a member of Parliament. He was. Uh, a barrister, he was a landlord, he was everything that should have been the perfect sort of bad guy of the time. 
but uh, he was very self-obsessed and started building stuff. And every time he built something, it had a positive effect on all those around him, uh, like bridges and stuff. He built infrastructure just because he, he liked building things and sort of, you know, he wasn't, uh, he was trying to get his own buddies in. But he, uh, as I say, he had a positive effect on everyone. Everybody could move cattle across sort of uh, river crossings that were hitherto deadly. Um, um, but the, I think the, the, most, the most interesting fact about him and about the whole place up there is when, you, when people come up there, there's a, a Liscanner flagstone wall that separates you from the cliff edge. And uh, that wall is made from Liscanner flag, which is the local flagstone. Um, and it's, it, it was built on the back of a bet that he had with the King of England while he was in the Houses of Parliament one day. Yeah. yeah, so the, the King of England says to him, uh, I, I've seen your land and uh, you're trying to get all these visitors over there. And, um, you know, what are you going to do with these hundreds of people? They're all just going to fall off and die. And uh, Cornelius said, well, I, I, I'll build a wall, uh, Your Highness. And he said, how are you going to build a wall? I'll build a wall, don't you worry. And uh, the King said, listen, I, I bet you a hundred pounds you couldn't build a wall. And uh, he said, uh, what kind of a wall, Your Highness? And he said, well, a mile long and about four foot, five foot high. He said, I'll do it. I'll take the bet. And he did. Um, and he, it actually cost him 200 pounds to build the wall. But he won 100 pounds off the King of England for a bet to build the wall. And that wall is still there 186 years later. Jesus. So, and if I could do the math, if I could do the math very quickly, it only cost him 100 Pounds. pounds. That's very yeah. good of me. That's fascinating, isn't it? Yeah, I think it is. I wouldn't bet. I, I, that's the old saying, isn't it? Never bet against Cornelius O'Brien building the wall. <laughs> it is at the cliffs of Moher. Yeah. <laughs> so he just built stuff, and then people, and then it it was just good for the like. Did, was he was he thinking of like? I, I just have a picture of him building a bridge, and then some local farmer going, "Oh, I must bring my donkeys this way now. It's easier." And him going, "No, no." That's not what it's for. It's a, it's a nice bridge for looking at. Get off my bridge. No, he... he... No, he kind of had this idea that everybody in England who had money were going to the empire. They were going to the new world, to hot places, and sort of bringing back, you know, sort of rare butterflies and stuff like that. Mm. And his argument was, why not come to Ireland? And, of course, the people in England were going, well, it's wet, and the people are going to kill you with pitchforks. You know, because uh, you're not particularly liked. And we already have whales, which is just very similar. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we, kind of, we kind of have places that are very like Ireland right here. Yeah, we've got misery on our own doorstep. Yeah. Why would we cross <laughs> a, a dangerous channel? <laughs> Why are you going to the, to the tropics when you have Clare in them? And I, 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 what, what year did you say it was? It was 1830, early, mid-1830s he started oh building God. stuff. Mid-1830s, we were, that was a sweet spot for Ireland. We were, <laughs> as, a, as a nation of people, we were looking well. We were, we were, we were building fine houses for ourselves. We were, yeah, we were, we were living into our mid-40s. Especially over in the West. Wow. Yeah. I'm so he, you see, he had all this land, which was really beautiful. And... All the people he was meeting in, in, in England had um, the, the Industrial Revolution was kicking off. So they all had bad throats and chests okay, and everything. Yeah. And he's saying, come on over. And when he enticed them over, a few of them said, listen, this is, uh, you know, there's nothing here. 
we can't even, we've got to go 20 miles upstream to get a river crossing. So he then built this fantastic bridge that spans from Lahinch Golf Course over into Liscana. You've probably driven over it and never really mentioned it. Yeah. You've never no, paid no, any attention to it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, no, he was, he, was, he was quite the man. He built um, O'Brien's Tower at the, at, at the Cliffs of Moher just um, so it would give you an extra 40 foot to have a look out. It wasn't, there was nothing structural. There was nothing um, strategic about it. It was just a viewing platform where he could go for a couple of pints on a Saturday night and entertain people. And, and it was I, all about him. I presume, like, was there financial gain for him? Like, could he, like, did he have a little gift shop set up that if the Brits came over, they'd spend lots of money? Or how was he just, did he just think this is lonely, you should come and see it? Well, he, he was really an early adapter of Airbnb because he owned most of the properties in mm. West and North Clare at the time. Right. Um, and so what he was trying to do was flog it so that people would come on fresh air holidays and sort of take the sea air and take one of his houses with a, a couple of servants for six or seven weeks for the season. Mm. And uh, he'd make money off the back of it. Wow. Yeah, but it was all about sort of tarting the place up um, to make it more respectable for these wealthy people that he wanted. And they did, they actually came over. I mean, the Bronte sisters used to come and take the air in Kilkee. And then they would come up to the cliffs and uh, to sort of clear their minds, you know, think beautiful thoughts. And the Victorians oh. were all into that sort of stuff, you know? Get a bit of air up the dress there as well. That's what you Oh, right up the corset. That would be the worst part. That's, that's what I always, when I think about those times, that's where I think this, the warmest, smelliest place might be. But I, sh I shouldn't really, I, I, I shouldn't dwell on those times. But he was obviously, no. I mean, I presume he was a Protestant uh, landlord given the land that didn't belong to him, but he, he was doing good well, things with it. Or he was an old well, maybe not. Yeah, there you go. He, he actually was one of the, the good guys. He bought the land um, from his sort of career. He had about 13,000 acres and he owned all the 13 kilometers of the cliffs. Mm. Um, and he was quite the boyo. Um, yeah, and you know, he actually forgave people during um, the famine. Uh, their rents and stuff, because he was of the opinion that, listen, these horses and the cattle and the pigs I'm rearing to to send over to England, I, I can't do that myself. I need these people to be alive to do that, to wow. keep me. So it was all very selfish. You know, I need money, so I need to keep these people alive. So if I don't charge mm -hmm. them and I feed them, they can keep my livestock. So, you know, and it was actually a place of some inward migration during the, the, the whole famine years. So everywhere else, schools were shut and whatever. But during the famine, the local school, um, St. Bridget's School down in Liscanor, was actually open. Yeah, so it was, uh, it was interesting. Yeah, it is a fascinating, yeah, fascinating little bit of history down there. Yeah, that is good. That is very good. I am intrigued. Now I'll go back with different, the scales have fallen from my eyes and I will go back. I won't be hungover the next time I go, because I haven't had a drink. A long time so i'll go back uh, with uh, with fresh eyes and have a look at do yeah the, yeah the the take a microphone we'll have a chat oh yeah that's a good idea we could do a live podcast yeah um <laughs> that in itself could just be uh that week's episode but i would like to and we, we might split it into two i don't know we'll see what happens i don't know what i'm doing really um 
the last day we were talking, I got you to tell the story of how you uh, had an interaction with Kirk Baines, Mrs. Courtney Love, and uh, yeah, and uh, and you, and afterwards you said that wasn't the story I was going to tell, but it was for some reason it's a story that stuck in my mind, and that was the one I wanted you to tell. And you said I was going to tell the story of whose drummer, Barry Manilow, like. If you had said to me beforehand, okay, I'm going to tell a story about whatever, like, I would never have thought, I never would have thought Barry Manilow, and then I never would have thought there was an interesting story about Barry Manilow's drummer. So, I mean, going back to the fact that you've worked in hotels, you, you encountered many of these um, wonderful people, musicians and, and, and crew and drummers and, and so, so what? Yeah. Tell me about they- Barry Manilow's drummer sounds like, have you written this as a short story? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I should do, though. He, he was fantastic, um, Barry Manilow's drummer. So Barry Manilow came to town and they were going to play up in the Royal Albert Hall. And uh, the Milestone Hotel that I was working at at the time was literally two blocks away from the Milestone Hotel. Now, Barry himself stayed, I think, at the Dorchester at the other end down at Park Lane because it was sort of more the notoriety and sort of it was a bigger, sort of trendier hotel. But the hotel I was in, the, the, the Milestone, was a really, really swish, very five-star, very nice little property. It only had 52 bedrooms, so we kind of knew everybody that came out with a nice sort of small lobby. And we had a lot of musicians through, and uh, we had an awful lot of sort of wealthy people. And those wealthy people would come back with their families at the weekend. Um, and you know, I talked to I talked to a hole in the wall as well. You know, and um, I find the cr- what oh, you would talk to a hole in the wall. That you're a very talkative person. Sorry, I thought you were, yeah. Well, yeah, 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 I, yeah. I, I would just I, I would converse with anyone, and you'd you'd often find that these fellows have been on the road for a long time, and they just want to chat with somebody normal, and they're more interested in where do you live? Do you drive a car? Mm. Do you get the tube or do you get a bus or what do you do? And where's good to go around here for a bit of regular food, you know? Um, and sometimes we would invite people back to the house or take them out for dinner, or just like go to a place around the corner or go for a couple of pints. Um, so you're saying you would, you, you and your... Yeah, You and your definitely, future, future yeah. wife, then girlfriend or whoever, like, so you'd, you'd say, fact, well, I just live up the road, do you want to come? It's just weird, is it? No, not really. We, we actually... Um, very rarely, in fact, never anybody would come home, but we'd often go out for a drink um, around the corner. And I'd say to these lads, listen, if you're, if you're around before the show tonight, before you get picked up at six or whatever, um, or you're doing a sound check, if you want a couple of pints, we're all going out tonight. So we were a fairly sociable bunch and we'd socialize with these people. I mean, I once actually went Christmas shopping with- um, Hang on, hang on, let me guess. Is I once went Christmas shopping with um, Tom Jones. Tom Jones. <laughs> no. Do you remember? The, <laughs> do you remember the cult? No. Yeah. 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 You didn't go shopping with the lead singer of the cult. His name escapes me now. I did, and his wife. Oh my and, god! And the, the the head guitarist guy, or the lead guitarist. The lead guitarist. And his wife. They were staying. They were actually staying in England for Christmas, and they were surprising people at home. So they were. Um, we actually opened specially in the milestone for that very occasion, 
for them to stay on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. And I'd organised a car for them to come on Christmas Day and take them up to, I'm going to say Sheffield or Northampton or wherever they came from. Yeah, they were from up there, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, but I went to I, I went out one afternoon with his missus and um, the lead singer's missus. And uh, I, I went to Marks and Spencer's. I was going to the tube station and she was talking. and we, we, I, She was getting in the same direction. She said, I love going to Marks and Spencer's when I'm in your country. She was American, funnily enough. And uh, I said, oh, I've got to go in there and buy, um, buy my brother a Christmas present. And uh, she said, what does he like? We just wear black clothes all the time. Everybody just wears uh, Ian, I think was his name. Ian, Ian, just Ian, wears, Ian Asprey. Uh, Ian Asprey. Ian just wears black clothes all the time. So uh, can I go shopping with you? And I said, yeah. And I, I was buying my brother. It was so sort of 90s. A cardigan, a grey cardigan for Christmas. Okay. Um, which kind of everybody was wearing because the Smiths were wearing cardigans and stuff. Yeah, so I thought, I'm buying this kind of baggy, oversized cardigan. Yeah, so, um, and then when we came back to the hotel, she said, did your wife uh, do sports? I said, yeah, what shoe size is she? And I said, uh, six and a half, seven. Oh, great, I've got some stuff from Adidas. So she gave me a load of Adidas gear because they were being sponsored by Adidas. The cult were being sponsored by Adidas. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but all their gear was like three stripes and black, you know. And uh, yeah, Sally Ann wore her... Um, Adidas kind of boot trainers. They were like Converse All-Stars to go to uh, Tai Chi for an awful long time, I seem to. <laughs> Sa- Sally Ann is your, is your wife. Then. My wife, your, yes. Your then girlfriend. What, yes. Was, do you remember Ian Asprey's missus name? No, she was a blonde American woman. Okay. Really so nice. It wasn't Amy Nash then. That must be, that must be his, no. that's his current wife, I think. So was Billy Duffy the guitarist? Do you remember? Yeah, blonde, blonde guy. Um, Billy Duffy or Jamie Stewart, uh, Matt Sorum. I'm just going through the names. and He's not even in the cult. Uh, Billy Duffy, is he in the cult? I'm trying to find the second. Um, that is, I cannot believe you went Christmas shopping with the cult. We haven't even gotten to the drummer. Who's he calling his drummer story yet? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Barry Manilow. Barry Manilow's drummer. I just feel like we should never tell the Barry Manilow's drummer. <laughs> you dance around it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, until next week, when we will tell you the story of Barry Manilow's drummer. And we could sing Barry Manilow. We could go, Barry Manilow, Barry Manilow. But in the style of the cult. Have yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She yeah. sells Manilow. She's... <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I think I've, I think I've taken up enough of your time, Mike. It was as enlightening as ever, as always. That could be good or bad. You would know. I could be saying, yeah, it's as enlightening as it was the last time. You don't, you don't know whether that means that's a good thing or a bad thing. No, I find myself terribly unenlightening or disenlightening. I, I, well, I find you fascinating. Um, so there you go. We had a nice bit of history and a nice bit of uh, shopping with the coast. That's that's fantastic. I think you were just in London at the right time, weren't you? For, well, for, certainly for me, because the people you were meeting, because you mentioned Evan Dando the last time, and even the cult, we would myself and my friends would have listened to the cult a lot uh, around yeah. that time. Uh, so it, was, it was a sweet spot in music, but again, a lot of these were either on the way up mm. or on the way out, so they kind of reached peak, you know? I mean, take that were the ones that sort of 
almost closed. Actually, they did close the road and we had to close the hotel and we had to move them um, because, you know, they, <laughs> there was just, there was ructions. There were just thousands of screaming teenagers everywhere. See, the problem with tech, that probably was when the person made the booking was on the Friday. And by the following Tuesday, they were probably 10 times bigger than they had been when they made, you know, it was very, that was probably the, you know, the sweet spot yeah. that where they were week by week, you know, doubling, trebling, quadrupling in size and fame, you know, very quickly. And I'd say for the person booking hotels, it would have been a very hard job. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't envy them that job. Yeah, the, every every get, once in a while they got it wrong. Yeah. Yes, it obviously did. But uh, okay, well, listen, I'll let you go and uh, get back to what are you what are you doing for the evening? Just have a bit of dinner, really. Just relax. Dinner, really. That's it. Yeah, I'm sort of uh, I'm I'm currently uh, baking some tomatoes. I'm not baking them. I'm sort of like um, I've got them on a low heat. You're roasting them slowly. Roasting them. That's the word I was looking for. Uh, roasting them slowly with a bit of olive oil, sort of sun drying them. And are you just going to, that's all you're having for your tea, just roasted tomatoes? You yeah, should. probably on, on a bit of pasta with maybe a bit of cheese grated over. That sounds uh, delicious. Yeah. I'm <laughs> going to leave the house now and come and drive to Clare. So I'll see you in a few minutes. More than welcome. <laughs> uh, someday we'll get to the story of Barry Manilow's drummer. Yeah, I hope so. I'm going to change the name of the podcast to Barry Manilow's drummer. <laughs> uh, I think we could turn the, uh, the cameras back on briefly. Okay, have you got enough gear now? I've just been rambling. I, I actually we, I hadn't planned any of what I was going to say to you. Really. No, that was great. It was perfect. That's, <laughs> I hadn't planned anything either. So, uh, all right. Good luck. Okay, good luck. Good luck. Good luck. Bye, 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 bye. Bye. And that is it. That was me chatting to my friend Mike. He's on Clare. I'm in Kildare. It's a long, long way from Clare to here. Hope you enjoyed our chat. Um, don't forget to listen to the other podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe. Tell your friends that you like it. Don't tell your friends if you don't like it. Thank you very much. Uh, do get in touch as well. It's keithwalshpod at gmail.com if there's anything at all that you want to say to me. If you want some help with something, I might be able to help. And I would like to read out your correspondence. Um, thank you for listening to the podcast have a great day wherever you are whatever you're doing take care mind yourself don't forget if you're feeling a bit down try and get someone to find someone to talk to talk to anybody reach out have a chat don't be on your own you're not alone uh, you can follow me on instagram i'm always good actually if you're um, feeling a bit down and you need to speak to somebody i can point you in the right direction uh, if you follow me on instagram uh, I'm easy easy enough to find. I think I'm easy enough to find on Instagram. It's Keith Walsh. And I think it might be Keith Walsh. Walsh. I should look it up really, shouldn't I? There we are. Keith Walsh underscore Walsh. Uh, if you want to follow me on Instagram. And if you're struggling and you need someone to talk to, I could point, point you in the right direction. All right. Good luck. I'm going to go now. I have to go down and have my dinner. Actually, no. I have to put these podcasts up online and then go and have my dinner. Have a great evening. Mind yourself. Goodbye. Just going to sign off now. That's it. Got to go. Okay. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.